tomorrow. I'm your host, Joshua Topolsky. Today on the podcast, we discuss Teslas, putting out fires, and picking up coins with chopsticks. And it's going to be a hell of a show. My guest today is a man who really needs no introduction. If uh, you've ever, uh, you know, read anything or seen anything on the internet, it's likely you've seen or read something of his. My guest is the inimitable John Gruber. You always John, say I don't need an introduction. You. you don't, but then I do an introduction for you. Right. That's the weird thing. Why do I do that? No one, no one really knows. So listen, uh, so this is a very, uh, I'm sure, a very active time for you, a very hot time of the year. Uh, we just came off some Apple earnings. Because you write a lot about Apple. You like Apple. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny that the earnings is always, uh, it's like I never know how much time to, to, to devote to it. Because it's not what I'm mostly interested in. I really am not. I really, I, I would be so much happier if Apple was a privately held company. And, yeah. And that they, you know, like, uh, and just, and they just kept it a secret as they keep other stuff. And it's like, right. and then every year, like maybe Tim Cook would just give like a, you know, Everything's good. <laughs> he would just like get, he would get on a call. And just be like, I would be so great, much no happier problem. because I really want to write about their, their products. I want to write right. about what their products. I want to write about their services, the design stuff. And I don't, I'm not a finance blogger. I don't really, you know, right. I, it, but, is, it is boring. Let's be honest. The, the earning shit is, is relatively uninteresting to a normal person. It or is even, even an abnormal person. It is. But when you but at some point, it's like you kind of have to acknowledge it because it, on the one hand, it's these gigantic numbers and it is interesting, you know, and I know that um, what's his name? Professor Scott Galloway at NYU. You ever see his videos? He's have, he's really great you have to say professor before. Uh, I think so. Yeah. Well, doctor. It, he'd be a doctor, wouldn't he? Yeah. He, Dr. Uh, Galloway. Well, I think it's, I think I said professor because his Twitter account is like Professor Galloway or something like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, he has videos. He calls them like the four horsemen, and it's Amazon, uh, Google, Apple, and Facebook. Fang, and, and, uh, Fang. I, yeah, I thought Netflix was in there. Oh, uh, I think I that it's is like Facebook, a- Apple, or Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and Google. Is it is Apple not in there? No, it's. I think there's, he's got a different list. That's like there's the another. Con- there's another set. There's because yeah. there's a Fang list, which I think is Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and Google. Yeah, the Netflix one is more about like content distribution yeah, I think and where right. like media attention is going. And right. the the other one is really just who are the four big ass companies you right. know, that are delivering these crazy numbers. And and it's the numbers are just huge. It's like you know he, he you know he's done these comparisons where he's thrown them up against like the GNP of certain nations, and it's just mind boggling. Right. It, it, right. And so you kind of have to if you're writing about this, acknowledge it to some degree. I mean, you definitely. Uh, I mean, I feel like at the very least you have to have a pretty good working knowledge because you are so plugged into and so meticulous in your thinking and coverage. I mean, it's not like you're like writing stuff every day, like, up, you know, detailed, you know, whatever, but you definitely are meticulous in your thinking and, and sort of, um, you know, writing about Apple. Seems like even if you want to ignore the earnings, it's sort of impossible for you to do it. So, yeah, so okay, so. so what do you make? So what do you make of the latest earnings? I mean, because I think it's a really interesting, you know, I'll give you my spiel and then I, I want to hear from you, but I think it's really interesting that, Again, you know, Apple's like just monster profit, um, you know, and yet and yet there is this sense somehow just out there that, you know, I actually tweeted this Guardian article from a, from like last week or something where it's like Apple can't get the engineers and it needs a new, new hit product. And there is definitely like this this narrative, um, which I sort of understand of like, well, yeah, but they're not doing that great. You know, it's like weird. It's like they have so much money. They can't stop making money. They're basically printing money. And yet every, there's this weird sentiment. And tell me if you feel this. There's a sentiment that's like, 
but Apple's doomed, man. It's just a matter of time. Well, I'm, I really try to be emotionally detached from the, the company overall, but also specifically the stock. And, and I certainly don't own any Apple stock. I think that would be, you right. know, let's just could disclose that right, right now. I also don't, I own no stock. Uh, of course, as a journalist covering these companies, I've never been able to uh, purchase it. I, 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 people I, are like, people are always like, well, yeah, you own Facebook stock. I'm just like, I wish yeah. I fucking owned Facebook stock because I wouldn't be writing articles on the internet. I, you know, sometimes <laughs> people say to me when I tell them I don't own Apple, they're like, I bet, I bet you wish you did, you know, over the last 10 years. Yeah, uh, and yeah. I say, no, because I've done well. Daring Fireball's done well. And, you know, I mean, like I've done well in my own way based on Apple's success. I don't need. You know what I mean? Right, I don't need right, to, to right. double down on you it. Invested, by this you invested in other ways in Apple. Right, exactly. By and paying attention. Dividend, and that's paid dividends. Right. I've yeah. I've invested my attention in them. That's right. I know it sounds glib, but I mean, I really have. No, I think that's actually a really interesting way to look at it. But the reality is like you have a pretty robust following and career yeah. built around. I mean, not you don't just write about Apple. You write right. about a lot of stuff. But you definitely have made, you know, uh, the the name that you've made focusing on Apple in, in a large way. So that is a kind of investment. Yeah, I, you know, and it's. But anyway, I the, the finances are interesting because, and and but it, it, people are emotionally tied in it, and there's for multiple reasons. One is there is you know, and it's been this way for 25 years, where there's a sort of tribal mentality to which platforms you personally adopt, where people, right. you know, and you see it even in other areas like you know PS4 versus Xbox, and yes. you know you spend 500 bucks. Do you have a do you have a preference by the way? Uh, we're a PS4 household. Are you really? Yeah, but my I son think, made that choice. Not, not I me. would think that you would um, just get both. That's, I mean, that's of course what I did. But I'm a sick person. Yeah, but you also seem like a sick person. So, <laughs> like, I feel like I feel like you would just have the other one. Just like, you're not. I guess you're not really that big of a Microsoft guy, though. No, we do, well, we do have both, but we don't have the Xbox even hooked up. Oh, you don't? No. Oh, interesting. Well, we ran out of HDMI ports, and yeah, that happens. I find that I find that. Listen, I love the PS4. I find their interface very annoying. But actually, Xbox is worse now. So they're all they all. Oh, I can't. I don't. That that's the main reason that I supported my sons. So what we did was we voted off the island the Xbox One to keep both the PS4 and PS3 because my son was more interested in playing his PS3 games that you know there's for whatever reason there's no binary compatibility so if you want to play a ps3 game you really do need a ps3 and with the limited number of hdmi slots available he'd prefer to keep the ps3 instead of the xbox he had to make he had to make a judgment i supported that though i really and and he plays 99 percent of the time and me i don't really play video games much although i'm very interested in firewatch which is this new game i don't know if you've heard about no oh my god write this down i'm gonna gonna google Google it it right now it's called firewatch yeah it's coming out in in about uh 10 days i think by by the way do you know what keyboard i'm typing on right now it is a it is my original from when i had an an lc a mac lc do you remember the lc I owned one. The LC came yeah. with a real shit keyboard, though. The yeah, yeah but one? I bought, I bought a, I bought the separate. You could get the better, the Apple, uh, not the extended keyboard. It's like the more compact. Yeah, uh, I think it's yeah. called the Apple Standard Keyboard, is what it's called. Hmm. And it's like really, it's like chunky. Oh, and yeah, it's got the extended keyboard style keys. I yes. know what you mean. Yes. Yeah, but it's like a more compact form. Yeah. Anyhow, okay, I'm looking now. By the way, anyhow, so it, it, I've been, I hooked it up. I got one of these like. Uh, ADB to uh, USB adapters, and yeah, I got that. I have the same. And, and I and I've been writing on it, and it's like crazy how comfortable it is to write on. Like it's it's the most. I, and I have like 
I've been on this keyboard kick. I have like 10 keyboards now. This is like by far the one that I enjoy typing on most. All right, I'm looking at Firewatch right now. It's an indie game developer called Campo Santo, but yeah. they, they, they developed this game in collaboration with Panic, who's well-known to anybody who uses Mac software. They, they're the people who've been uh, doing like FTP utilities and... Oh, wow, these uh, screens look amazing. Coda. Um, it, it, this game is amazing. I've actually got the uh, pre-release version of it on PS4 already, but it's... What, what, is, the, what is the plot of this game? Uh, long story short, you are a fire ranger in the great Northwest and there's uh, a mystery unfolding on the ground that you're responsible for. Wow. So it's fire related though. I don't want to say. Anymore. Don't spoil it. Don't spoil it. This looks I, really. This looks really cool, though. I mean, I I'm, don't want to say anymore, except that it's unlike any game I've ever seen before, and it is totally immersive, and it's got a great story. The the, the main character, your 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 avatar, your I don't know what you call it, but the guy you are is yeah, played they, by the same actor who played Harry Crane on Mad Men. Oh really? Okay. Oh my I, god, it drove me nuts because the voice was so. I've who watched is this. I've watched Mad Men in its entirety, like at least three times yeah it's a great show it and like season one at least maybe four times and so i should have known but i'm really really bad at like on a tv commercial when a famous actor is doing a voiceover and you know you know but i'm really bad at the game of screaming out the the name yeah and it was driving me crazy that i knew who the narrator was but anyway he's got a a very distinct voice i I can think of it right now it's very distinct could not place it though and this looks looks amazing it is amazing i'm telling you and and i'm always on the hunt for a game that isn't like you're running around with a gun and Mm. this is like looks totally unique you're running around with a walkie-talkie yeah, well, that's that's great. That's that's even better than a gun. You know, oh my because, God. because but, if somebody's if somebody's attacking you, you want to basically try to you want to be able to call for help. That's what you want. <laughs> How did we get onto this anyway? I, because because we were talking about um, Apple earnings, and I think there's a clear line from. Yeah. No, wait. How did we get on this? That's a great. Oh, question. we were talking about the consoles, and it's a it is coming right. out for PS4. It's also coming out, I think, on Steam, and I know okay. it's coming out on Mac and PC. I gotta get. I gotta get. I got to get this game. This but looks really good. The fact that it's coming out on PS4 and not Xbox One is just just one little tick in the, this I is think, why we're a PS4 family and not a. Xbox I think PS4, family. I think the PS4, they do, I have to say, you know, it's weird because Microsoft had this, like, for a moment, it seemed like they were really going to focus on, like, indie developers and indie games and smaller developers. And I just feel like somehow that's been seeded to the to the PS4. I feel like the, the weird, actually, I... Got my PS4. I weirdly, I had the opposite where I had the Xbox One out and the PS4 was in a box, and I got it out and hooked it up just to play. Um, Everybody's gone to the Rapture, or everyone's gone to the Rapture. Mm. Have you played that? No, I haven't. And I think it's it was only I think it's only for PS4 and Steam, and it's a very similar situation. And it's a really interesting, weird game. I found it like ultimately kind of boring, but it's like it's it's like they call it a walking simulator. It's like you're walking around this town trying to figure out like everybody's gone and you're trying to figure mm. out what happened. So maybe it has something in common with this Firewatch. Game. Yeah, I think it's the same sort of you know. It's definitely it's like not isolated, a, isolated yeah. walking around trying to figure something out. Um, yeah. This looks really cool. Well, this is great. I've already, even if we don't have any, if the conversation is terrible after this point, yeah. this has been worth it. Yeah. To have I'm telling you, and I'm game. telling you right now, you'll be in, I, I, I have this gut feeling, and I, I'm not a game writer, but I just have this gut feeling that like a month from now, after this game is out, and first 
you know, word starts to spread, I think everybody's going to be talking about this game. Oh, man, I'm excited. I'm very excited. Okay, so wait. So getting back on topic here, we were talking about uh, we were talking about earnings. We were talking about oh, yeah. this the narrative that Apple yeah. is. And so anyhow, you were saying that people are always asking you if you own Apple stock. Yeah, and I don't. And but, don't. All right, and I know what we were talking. <laughs> there, about. I, Emotion- I made I made our way back to this emotional <laughs> attachment. So I think there's this tribal aspect, and again, like, this is how we got <laughs> sidetracked. There, yeah. you know, you see it with PS4 versus Xbox. Oh, you see yeah. it with everything. <laughs> People, but people who are all in on the Apple lifestyle, people who have got, you know, iOS devices and their iClouds and their, you know, the photos are syncing through yeah, iCloud photo thing. library or whatever. You're yeah, all in on it and it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to switch. And so you're, and then maybe you, you combine that with the fact that, that maybe these people have put their own money into Apple stock, which I think as a sort of long-term investment, uh, certainly in the last, you know, decade was a great move. And it's probably a pretty good move even now. Yeah, uh, I'm. You know, you'd be a fool to take investment advice from me, but I, yes, I do think no that the company. Should, I just want to. Pre- I want to say that any anybody listening, do not take investment advice from this man. <laughs> He's not a professional. And ha- the other half of my advice is to you know play blackjack. So yeah, don't do that either. Take, That's a take terrible under, idea. Not take for it money, under consideration. I just think overall, do I think Apple has a strong future, foreseeable future? And in our industry, the foreseeable future is not that far. Right. Yeah. I, but yes. I think it's strong. Yeah. But I think that people who have this emotional attachment, they see things like last week where Apple announces the most the record breaking, most profitable quarter that any publicly held corporation has ever had in history. Yeah. And then the next day, the stock drops five yeah. percent and they go get, crazy. Get rid of they that. go get rid of that stock. <laughs> They go crazy They because they – but on the other hand, I actually see the logic in it. I do tend to think that Apple stock is undervalued because I think the investor community overall still doesn't really get it. Yeah. But on the other hand, I totally understand the fundamental idea that stock price is largely about perception of future growth. Right. And that it looks like Apple's growth engine, the iPhone – has reached this almost unfathomable summit. Yeah. But that it might be the summit. We but might there is, have... there is there is the possibility that we're reaching like um I mean I felt like this has been coming for a long time. Like this there's like I tweeted about it's like we've reached peak smartphone, but in some way I actually feel like that's true. Like there is a tremendous market saturation. Everybody has a smartphone. Not everybody, but you know a lot of people have smartphones. Clearly there are new areas to grow into there are markets that have not been fully penetrated it's the most extraordinary product maybe in the history of the industrial design of devices of anything right including the including the toilet right no Uh, not including the toilet the toilet's way more impressive the 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 toilet is much more impressive than the iphone in my opinion i've that is true indoor plumbing is I mean, it's obviously pretty fucking amazing when you think about what we well, did with plumbing right and especially like in, you know i'm in philadelphia you're in new york and it's yeah. february so the idea of going outside to take a crap is no it's not a, it's not an appealing idea <laughs> all day every day all winter long yeah like everything you're out there all constantly you're out there you know if you're drinking coffee or whatever i mean pre- right. i'm like, assuming we have we were drinking coffee even though we don't have indoor plumbing previous but. prior to indoor plumbing i've thought about this a lot prior to indoor plumbing the, a good trip to the bathroom was when you had to go outside to a woodshed in the summer. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you just weren't freezing cold. Right, exactly. I mean, uh, you, if, if you lived in the south or the in the west, I mean, it's probably fine. What I so, But I, the difference with the iPhone, though, is so that... So do we agree? Are we agreeing that plumbing... I would say plumbing, plumbing is greater than the smartphone, yeah. but there was no iPhone of toilets. 
right? Like one company's <sighs> toilet that sold for a significantly higher price. No, but that's but you know, but that's the interesting thing is that I do feel like in, uh, I mean, this is true, right? I mean, Apple still doesn't. They do not have the, the they don't own the market share in terms of the no. global market share of smartphones. But there is kind of it is kind of like every smartphone sort of is about. Now, look, we know look, I, I agree with you. The iPhone is superior in many ways uh, to what other people are producing. But but the but like the degrees of the degrees of difference have gotten much closer now. It's sort of like, OK, everybody has a smartphone that does about the same thing. Yeah. But if you just look at it, if we just want to stick to the finances, though, it's. It, we do. We do. it doesn't it doesn't matter because if you just look at it there's right. App, apple with 92% of the profits in the industry right. samsung with like 10% and everybody else and right. and, and, and that it, math doesn't work right because everybody else is actually losing money no no this is i agree with you i mean it's it's a in terms of profit apple is has dominated but in terms of like the actual thing like you were talking about toilets right like there is a right. nicer toilet okay and having having just done some redone some bathrooms i can tell you there are many ranges of toilets out there i'm sure you know this but uh but you know like they all do about the same thing <laughs> like right some have heated seats some don't but they're all basically you know they you, you shit in them yeah that's no, the I, I, you can I, shit I, in any toilet i no, i and i think <laughs> that's how i feel about smartphones <laughs> i do i think it's mostly true i really you know yeah, yeah. people what do people mostly do i mean most people really get by with you know, five or six apps. Just good enough. It's just good right? enough. You know, yeah. you want your Twitter, your Facebook, your camera app, uh, right. your email, your right. text messaging, yep. and Uber, you know. So, and, and a browser. Right. And a browser. Yeah. And, you know, there you go. And most people, I mean, Uber, okay, we're, I and think we're Instagram people who probably and, use, we're, but we're people who use Uber a lot, I think, and Uber has wide, you know, has wide penetration, but like still, I think if you go to lots of cities and lots of places, the people aren't like, oh, I'm Ubering everywhere. No, but if you're in an Uber city, you are. If you're in it, if you're in like, yeah, New York, is Philly is Philly very active Uber wise? Yeah, it yeah. and it just happened overnight. I mean, you yeah, know, it's it's crazy. I mean, it's uh, no Uber. Uh, Uber is an amazing. It's a utility. I mean, you know, of course. Yep. Then again, uh, I think a lot of things. You know, you think, oh, how can I live without this? And then something comes along. And, yeah, Philly's you know. actually probably one of the best. I don't know. They came here pretty early, earlier than Philly gets a lot of stuff like that. And I think it's because they knew that Philly was particularly a corrupt cab town. I know the taxi industry nationwide is notorious for being, you know, all tied up with local municipal politics and, and, you know, all this stuff to help the incumbents. Um, but in Philly, it's particularly bad. Philly, um, has t absolutely terrible cabs. The act, you know, the actual cars that the cab drivers drive are horrible. And it's one way is that the regulations are so loose that, uh, that a large percentage of the cabs on the road in Philly, this is starting to change because those old, um, what were that that model, the Grand, Grand Victoria, the Grand Vix? Uh-huh. Uh, no, you know, the Lincoln Town Car. No, well, there's other ones, though. Well, the Lincoln Most, Town Car has been um, discontinued. Those the, the classic cabs from, like, the 90s, the ones that look like the way police cars were. Most of I them, think those are Lincoln Town Cars. No, maybe you're right. Grand, maybe they're Grand Victorias. Or, Is that what they're Yeah. Called? And sure. whatever. I don't know. They're cars that not, more normal people would never drive. A huge number of the cabs on the road in Philadelphia at one point were A, cabs are, are former police cars that the police uh, were no longer deemed worthy of being on the road for police officers. <laughs> and cool. if you've ever looked at a police cruiser, police cruisers, they get banged up. I mean, they're in bad shape. So the ones well, they are no they're longer. chasing criminals. 
And the other ones were cabs that were kicked out of New York City for failing inspection. So what would happen is cabs would fail inspection in New York, and then instead of fixing them, they would just put them on a truck, drive them down to New Jersey Turnpike, and sell them to the Philly cab companies. That sounds right to me. That sounds like a Philly situation. Yeah, and there's it's a lot just, of corruption. There's also, I mean, I, I know, I know, you know, I lived in Philly for a little while. I, I know that when I was there, this was many years ago, but. There was corruption everywhere. Like the government in Philly was really corrupt and the police were really corrupt. I don't know if that's still true. So I'm not surprised to hear that the cab. Just dirty, grimy cars. And Uber just swept in. And it's, you know, the worst Uber ride that I've ever had is better than the best, almost better than the best cab ride I've ever had. There's like one cab company in Philly. Uber is what you're saying. You like that you like Uber. Yeah. Well, and I think it's, I think it is, it's having the effect that, you know, like, it's like what economics 101 or the free market 101 like i yeah. think it's it's gotten the philly taxi industry to sort of you know start trying no it's definitely that it's i think it's happening everywhere it's definitely like oh wait a second this old system is broken and sucky and the experience is bad for most people and now you actually have to do something about it because someone has threatened your position i mean i feel like this is like the dollar shave club and yeah. although although dollar shave club razors are really not that great but like the price, the price point versus what you get for like a Mach three and the quality of the shave. It's like close enough that you're like, you know what? I'm going to save like 20 bucks on this thing. Okay. So getting back to Apple, we're way, way off topic here, John. Uh, so, so, okay. But this, this begs the question, right? Like you're right. And it, it's reached this record profitability. So it does make sense that is that profit center slowing, right? The iPhone. Well, that to get back to the point, the point was, so the iPhone is so big. They sold 75 million of them. Now it was the holiday quarter, but 75 million of a device that average selling price is somewhere 700, $800, you know. Well, subsidized, but well, the consumer doesn't feel that. Whether they do or don't, you know, but that's part of what makes it magical is that that they can, you know, that that more people buy these than they would if they weren't able to hide it. It's, it's this incredible sweet spot where it's a product that almost everybody Almost everybody who could have one does have one, whether right. they, you know, whether, you know, have some kind of smartphone. Uh, it's incredibly useful. People who do buy them actually do use them. You know, almost sure. everybody can have one. Yeah. Almost everybody wants one. Yeah. And it's like a, like a Coca-Cola. And it's 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 even combined that with the fact that the the way that the carrier set things up, that the true cost is hidden and and they're really, really good at, cons- you know, doing these contracts uh, in a way that really does fool most people. You know, most people really don't realize that uh, one way or the other, you're paying $800 for your iPhone. Right. And right. it's this perfect storm that makes for, and it, 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 you know, the fact that they may not ever create another product that is as profitable as the iPhone uh, is a very real possibility. I, I don't see how anybody could deny that. Well, so that is the big question right now. Look, they're going to they're gonna make a new iPhone. From what I understand, they're not stopping with the iPhone six, 6s rather. Um, there's an iPhone seven coming. There's an iPhone. There's a, like a mini iPhone. Do you, is this thing real? Do you think this little? Yeah, like, I think it has to be at this point. I what mean, is I, it? It's like an iPhone five size iPhone six. Yes, that's my <laughs> understanding. What I just said doesn't make any sense, but that's basically what it is. All right. Take the size of the iPhone five and take the performance of last year's iPhone six. Yeah. The, and, I, the original iPhone six, right? Not the six S, and that will be the new. Lowest they still tier. sell the five S. Yeah, 
So that will replace the five S. Right. I know nothing. I I've totally I'm gotten. Not saying, out of, I'm not saying you do. I'm I know, but to, I, 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 I feel like I verify this information with an expert. I feel like I have to preface it though, because I used to try to you know pick the brains of sources and sort of be informed of stuff that was coming up, and I found that it just wasn't fun. It's not. I, it's not. It's not a. It's not a fun. I mean, honestly, on it, when I read now, when I'm looking at like these iPhone rumors, I'm kind of like. You know, why don't we just admit to it? Why don't we all admit that there's going to be a new iPhone and let's just see what happens? Because yeah. I think that the I've become a little bored, I have to say, of like the little trickling out of the details. It's such I mean, it would be more fun. There was a point and I don't think a, actually I feel like most people have forgotten this at, at this point. There was a point not that long ago when like Apple really you could not. You did not know what they were going to announce. There was no way to find out. There were not leaks from like supply chains. Like you just were going to, it was, you heard some things. Maybe somebody had that a friend of a friend had mentioned a thing. And then like you would just find out at the event, which look, I mean, I, I'm probably, I probably contributed uh, to the, to the problem of people finding out. And I, I will admit that, but now it's like, I'm kind of, kind of miss being surprised. Yeah. You know, I feel like the Apple TV was a little surprising, just a little. The new one, I mean, yeah, because it, because again, it it didn't go through this like ramp up of, you know, right. like how do you how do you ship seventy five million of a brand new device in one quarter? That's just it's mind boggling. Like Tim right. Cook on the the earnings call even said that's like uh, it. What is it like an iPhone? Like so many iPhones every ten seconds. It's like just ridiculous. Right. It's, it's mind boggling. No, it's crazy. Know. It's crazy. I mean, I do think the Apple TV was a little bit of a surprise, but it's also like a black box. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's kind of like you know, it's not like there's nothing to leak. I mean, maybe they have. Oh, and the watch was a surprise. We knew that they were doing a watch, but, yeah, but we the, didn't know anything about the watch. Yeah, that's be, true. That's be, true. And that was actually pretty big, thrilling. It was pretty exciting. Yeah, that was the most exciting. That was now, the. Are most you wearing? Do you still wear your watch? Some days I do. I definitely still wear it, but I definitely don't wear it every day. I, uh, I, uh, I bought a Huawei, Huawei. <laughs> they make out like a circular Android watch. Yeah. It's actually pretty cool looking. I mean, it looks like a watch, I mean, but here's the thing. I stopped wearing it. I wore it for like a week and then I was like, this thing's annoying. Uh, I just, I don't think, I don't know. I'm not a guy who really wants to wear a smartwatch. I think that's the reality of my situation. Like, yeah, same with I me. like the idea, like I get excited about it and then I'll like, you know, every once in a while I'll put the Apple watch back on or whatever, but I'm kind of like, yeah, I don't need, I don't really need this for anything. I don't need, like, I'm not worried about my steps. You know, I'm not really doing like, I guess it's nice to be reminded to stand up. Okay. Getting back on topic. So, so what is like, so what is like, in your opinion, look, you've studied Apple, you know, Apple, you've watched them for a long time. So what's the next thing? Like, is there a next thing for Apple? I mean, is it something that it's just like, we're going to be so shocked and so surprised that we never see it coming? Because I don't think, I don't really believe that was the case with the phone. I mean, when there had been rumors, there had been some dabbling, there had been conversations about like, it wasn't so shocking that Apple was doing a phone. It's just the way they did it that was really shocking, right? Yeah. It's like it's like what they ended up producing. So so what is the next frontier for a company like Apple? Like I actually find myself wondering that. You know, I hear people talking about this car and it's like that's a whole I mean, that is a crazy different business I, to be in for this company. I think it's it's easy to overthink it. I think it's pretty obvious. Because I feel like even with the phone and the, the surprising part about the original iPhone was that they built it on this, you know, like the same foundation as Mac OS X, that they took a real computer operating system and shrunk it down to the point where it could fit on a phone. And yeah. nobody really thought that that was pop possible yet. You know, that seemed like something that would happen eventually, but 2007 seemed too early and they pulled it off and it was amazing. Whereas everybody, what we were all kind of, I personally in the audience was expecting was 
an iPod phone, you know, something right. like the iPod, the iPod, you know, that whatever that OS is called, it doesn't even, you know, an OS, it doesn't even have a name. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, you know, the embedded OS, you know, that sort of phone. Yeah. Um, but the fact that they made a phone was not a surprise at all. Like what they might make, it's e so easy to overthink and try to think that they might think of something that we've never even thought of. No, it's probably exactly what we're thinking. I, I would say are, the next thing. What are we thinking? What are we well, thinking? I think something related to VR or AR and the car. And the car is probably related to VR and AR. Like I can't imagine that Apple would do a car that doesn't take the the projected augmented reality that you see through the the windshield to a, a new level. Right. Well, I mean, you can imagine all sorts of things, but the reality is, I mean, you, we, uh, we're not going to know. I think we're not going to know for a while, but I do think, and I'm not, I'm not one of these people who's like, you know, they'll never make it, you know, in phones or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's funny to think now, you know, all these people who are like, they can't just make a phone. Uh, they clearly can. And so I would never say they can't just make a car, but it's a really different industry. I will say like, you do start to think about Apple's like scale, the scale that they have in the market. And you think like they could do whatever they want. I mean, they could make anything, you know, they could literally make houses. They could be like, we're making Apple houses and they have like the cash reserves to kind of create any business, right? To build any kind of factory, to to mobilize any kind of workforce. So, you know, the car doesn't seem that far-fetched to me. I just, you know, I just wonder, like, what is the innovation that Apple provides that, like, Tesla's not doing? Right. I guess, like, the AR thing's an interesting concept. I mean, that certainly would be interesting. Um, I could see them look, I mean, eating Tesla's lunch completely, right? Because they have so much just so much um just cash basically yeah and i think tesla's i think tesla's a fascinating company i love the stuff that they're doing and i it's you know and i wouldn't, wouldn't count them out but i think the thing that tesla is clearly up against is that the the scale you know and again now the apple's a company that has made a grand total of zero cars ever right that's right but Teslas are very expensive compared to what else, you know, like if you just go to your local Honda dealership, you know, and, and start pricing cars, Teslas right. are very expensive. Well, the rumor, though, is there's this Model 3 that's coming, which is going to be like 30 grand or 35 grand. Which is great. And um, they're a very smart company. And if they can do it, they'll do it. But even then, how many will they be able to make, right? I mean, right. like you right. can't, even with the $130 or $130,000, you know, Teslas that you can buy today, you've got to go get on a, a list. Yeah. You know, it's true. It's, and it's true. They really they don't have the force to just mass produce them. It's hard. It's really hard. And and again, Apple has made no cars, but Apple does understand uh, scale at a thing that that it's just almost mind boggling. I mean, they get many. they get supply chains. They get how to like the, the manufacturing process for them. I mean, that's Tim Cook's kind of claim to fame. Really, yeah. when you think about it, is his ability to build a huge machine that can turn these devices around so quickly and so well. I mean, clearly that would be a place where his expertise would come into play. If I think people about... take that for granted at this point. Like, I really do. I think that people take for granted just what an extraordinary accomplishment it is just every year when they when they come out with a new iPhone that has any kind of new components and that they make them in the first quarter because the first quarter is the holiday quarter where they're the best selling where it's got all, you know all the all the geeks who've been waiting to buy the new iPhone as soon as it comes out and then all the people combine that with all the people who are buying them as as holiday presents right all in one quarter 
It's like you have you have the hardest quarter manufacturing and supply chain wise right out of the bat and that they do as well as they do. I mean, like last year, they didn't quite meet demand, you know, when the iPhone six was new and it seemed like there was super extra pent up demand because there were also in addition to the regular yearly cycle, there was also just this broad sense of, look, everybody knows they're going to do bigger iPhones. This rumor is, you know, everywhere they're going to be bigger. And a lot of people wanted a bigger iPhone. And so they waited. Right. Um, and, yeah. and so they last year, they famously didn't even quite meet demand. But the fact that they got like 74 million of them out is extraordinary. <laughs> right. I mean, but but but, you know, but overall, like I am I think it is impressive and I don't take it for granted that like they have an incredible sense of of how to bring a product to market and bring it to market at scale. But but you, you have to, you got to admit, maybe you don't have to admit, but I do feel like there have been a lot of like mediocre sort of showings from Apple recently. Like, I mean, in terms of products, like I look at the iPad Pro, for instance. Now, I know you like the iPad. I think you like the iPad Pro, if I recall reading. I think you did kind of a write-up about it that I I read. do, but it's not for me, you know? Yeah, but, like, and that, but my question is like, really, who is it for? I mean, I understand like professionals, like, you know, designers, artists, whatever. Like, that's a really, really small percentage. Apple typically doesn't make like these niche products for like 1% of the customers, you know? And I do feel like it's strange to me that they, I mean, look, the technology is really interesting. There's no doubt like the pen technology and this, the screen on that is like kind of amazing, but it's sort of like, uh, it doesn't seem like a very good product to me. You know, it doesn't strike me as a very Apple product, I guess, when I look at it and, and a lot of their services, I feel like they've kind of left, you know, iCloud, for instance, is a service like now I'm I'm sort of ended. I end up like being roped into using it via like Keynote or something because I've got like something I want to show somebody. But it's like it doesn't feel like they've spent a lot of time creating like a really complete suite of services that work well together. I mean, maybe I'm seeing this differently than you may see it, but doesn't it feel like there is like a kind of um, lethargic nature to the things they've been doing recently. The Apple, the new Apple TV actually is a great example. I bought, I got the new Apple TV and I was like, oh, this is exciting. The interface seems really like different. They seems like they've got some new ideas here. It's better. I think like in terms of an interface, better looking than anything they've done, certainly in the TV space, but almost better than anything they've done in the interface space in a while. But it's a pretty buggy product. I mean, it's a pretty, it seems like a kind of 50% product to me, you know? I mean, it doesn't, it isn't as stable as my old Apple TV. I can tell you that. Like, I've had more crashes on that new Apple TV. Really? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, and I I've watch it to, all the time. Really? Yeah. I've had to restart that thing more times than probably any other Apple product I've, I've ever owned. Oh, I have not seen that. And, and I've say. got good, like, I've got a great, like, Fios connection here. It's hardwired. Yeah. Like, there's no, you know. But don't doesn't it feel like there is, like, a little bit of stasis right now? There's kind of a lethargic sort of lack of ambition almost from Apple at the moment? I wouldn't put it that way. I do think, though, that, uh, and I didn't, I didn't publish the updated version before we started recording, but. Um, Damn it. Love what? Well, I linked to, you know, uh, Mossberg had a piece today just that basically making an argument that has been going around for about a year. Marco Arman actually set set the internet on fire an entire year ago with his argument that Apple has lost, quote unquote, the functional high ground. Yeah. Mostly, mostly I would boil the argument down to, uh, and I thought Jim Dalrymple had a piece linking to Mossberg's piece today, and I've expanded on it a little bit, but I haven't published yet. But anyway, the gist of it is 
Um, it'll be published by the time people hear. Yeah, this. it'll be so published the by the time. But the gist of it is, uh, a Apple's hardware clearly seems to be set at, at a higher level than their software, and maybe that's just the nature of hardware and software. Make maybe it's not fair because, of course, hardware has to have higher attention to detail before it gets out the door because you can't issue an update over the air. Right. 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 Whereas you can with software. And so it's just human nature that if you can, of course you're going to ship software with a lesser degree of, of standards, you know, of quality or design. Cause you know, you can fix it later. Right. Um, and so that's always been true. But I, I think that there's, I think that there's enough people making that argument about Apple software in particular and few enough people disagreeing that it's almost certainly just by nature of the the polling you know how many people would raise their hand and say apple software has gotten worse in the last few years and how many people would disagree with that i think it, the the way that that would break it down from the people i i follow is clear enough to suggest that they probably do have a problem yeah i think and even that, if they don't even if they don't even if you could really prove it somehow that they that their software is is better than ever before and we're all just whiny perfectionists yeah even if that's the case they clearly have a perception problem right because everybody is saying this yeah. and I, I don't see anybody I, disagreeing like with the mossberg piece today i i, I really I, didn't see anybody say mossberg is wrong i haven't read his piece but i will say this um you know, and you and I famously disagreed about iOS 7, and I thought, like, vis from a visual standpoint, from kind of like a, a theoretical standpoint, there were a lot of sort of holes to me. And I do feel like that was the point where, where it, now look, I think we all, everybody was like, oh my God, iOS looks so dated. You know, we were sort of, there were a lot of jokes about the felt surfaces and the skeuomorphism and all that shit. But there was definitely a cohesion to the software where it was like, you felt, there was a complete thought, even if it wasn't, you didn't totally agree with the thought. And it definitely started to, to me at around iOS seven was the beginning of like cracks in what I always thought of as like, I thought I always, you know, in fact, I, I would, when I argue about like great moments in software, like I always talk about to people, um, you know, the moment where Apple was like, we're going to, you know, it's like, we're killing uh, OS nine and we're OS 10 is going to be this completely new. We're just going to like throw out everything. And, and for the most part, you know, and it's like one of these moments, I think it's like such an unbelievably important moment. Uh, probably doesn't get talked about enough as like just complete, like that was the thing that set Apple on its path to the iPhone and to everything that it's doing right now. And it was like, you know, bold and right and smart. And the software was actually better than other things that other people were making. So I had this feeling of like real confidence in Apple's ability to execute. And I thought that the iPod, you know, as simplistic as it was, had a real um, through line. And that went into that through line continued into the iPhone and to a lot of the stuff they built around it. You know, obviously there were stumbles along the way, but it definitely feels like there's a lack of cohesion and rigor I mean, there's from the design from the design standpoint. I feel like that is very strong to me. You know, like I, things that should be obvious aren't things that are um, things that should be easier are are harder. Um, there's like a lack of of. I just feel like there's a lack of cohesion. But I think on the design side, but I would just say from like the actual quality of the software side. Okay, Apple Music, for instance. Yeah. Apple Music stops playing all the time on me. It's the only streaming app I have literally the only streaming app that I use and have recall ever having used. And this includes like through many years of trying out different streaming apps that like consistently will just stop playing music for me. See, now there's a lot to unpack there. I, 
Do you still feel that way about the iOS 7 redesign? Because I feel like time has borne it out that it was, uh, it was right. And I feel I, like... I it, still... I feel like they have cleaned up some things that needed to be cleaned up. I still feel like they have an, they have an incredibly um, dated... I think notifications are incredibly bad still. I think it's a total... like. I, I've basically turned off most of my notifications and I know a lot of people who've turned off their notifications on iOS because it's been, it's such a bad experience um, to deal with them, to manage them, to look at them. I think they have like, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of the fundamental stuff is still bad, you know? Better I, than it used to be though. It, notifications it were never, never a good part with no and, and they have improved it but there is so much that could be done and i yeah. actually like one of the things that i and you know i know we always disagree on on android versus ios but one of the things i will say and i stick to this and i feel really strongly about it what android's done with with notifications they have created um a layer of interaction where you can literally kind of like get through the things that you need to know about that you need to figure out that you need to respond to almost exclusively through a notification panel, which is a kind of an amazing experience, one that Apple should take note of and find some way to like, uh, 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 explore. And they just haven't. So I think that's like a place I think design wise, it still is falls down in some major areas. Um, I think they've made improvements, I still don't like the way some of the icons look and the way the layers work. I think they kind of. They, well, they I th- don't... see. I think that the layering is exact. I think that's we always the have, we always have this conversation. Yeah, I really I, and I feel like once they hit iOS eight, it it cleaned it up in a way that I foresaw coming with iOS seven. I, I, iOS I think the, made it better. I think the layering is is um, is totally cosmetic. It's totally superfluous. I don't find any real utility in it. And I would say things like you know their app switcher. You know, they added things with 3D touch where it's like you think it would be easier, but it really isn't. Um, you know, I think that I'll tell you something. I never, ever use 3D touch for almost anything. What I use it for is to move my cursor around when I'm typing. And I think that's like one of the b- biggest and best innovations they've created yeah. in the new iPhone. But I would say, like, look at the things you might do with that technology and what they've done with it. You know, there's little things and there's big things. I do think that there's a... a I mean, the share sheets in iOS are total chaos to me, you know, like all of the the functions when, that you bring up when you bring up that share sheet, it's like, there's so many things that can be done. It's so deeply complex. And then they have these like sub menus to the share sheet where you can add different functionality or remove different functionality or rearrange it. To me, it's like, you guys are supposed to make this simple and easy and direct and somehow like. It, it just feels like way more complex and confusing. I, and, and by the way, I'm not a, I don't think, I don't think I, could, I would fall into the average user category right. on this, you know? And you have to admit, like, there's a, there's a, a general kind of like, and you don't have to admit this, but I feel like it's kind of clear. There is a general lack of rigor in how you accomplish things, how you deal with things. Um, how you how you move through phases of of applications and of experiences on on their devices right now. All right, I I feel like with the layering stuff and the basic structure of the system as a whole, it's subjective, and I feel like you're in my long term disagreement on this is subjective, and so we should just let's just move it aside. Okay. I I All think right. it's I think it's a very clever design, and it wor- it fits my brain. I, I I feel like I if I could talk to the people who designed it, we would get along swimming and that it, I do. And I think maybe the reason it doesn't work as well for you is that it's just, it's just not a good fit for your brain. You're saying my brain works differently. Right. That's why, but, that's why. But you touched, you touched on 
I think something that you'll agree with me on, and I think, and, and to me, this is the sort of thing that's a little worrisome, which is the app switching and the way they changed it to go with 3D touch. Um, and so you do get, when you do a 3D touch at the left edge of the iPhone screen to get the app switcher, you press hard and you can switch between apps and they tile with the newest on the right and older going through time back to the left right it's because and they they changed it to go with this 3d touch but then they in the same year they came out with this product the ipad pro and the ipad pro is clearly meant to be used a lot of the time with a keyboard attached i mean they even came out with their own first party keyboard cover right and the keyboard and it supports command tab switching and in the command tab switch, now this is the same operating system, iOS, but on command tab on the iPad, it just shows you, all they did was to me very lazily, they just gave you the exact same command tab switching interface that you have on the Mac. Right. But it goes right to left and right. it's the app icon, not the apps themselves. Right. So your, so your muscle memory there on the, even the foundational switching. There's just a certain inelegance to me in the fact that there's two ways to switch apps and you switch and, and both, both cases you switch from current app to most recently used second, most recently used third, most recently used. And it's two entirely different visual interfaces. Whereas clearly I'm absolutely dead certain there must be a way to come up with one interface that would work both for command tab with a keyboard switch, double click on the home screen or on the button that gives you the regular switcher and 3d touch. Right. I mean, and, and, and even, and I will say, but even the 3d touch experience on the phone is not, it, it's not like a really great, super useful, um, approach. I mean, in my opinion, you know, it's, it, it's, I feel like there looks task switching is tough on a mobile device. You're given a really small amount of real estate to deal with it, but it's not, it doesn't feel, you know, you get like a couple of cards first off and then you end up in this like very kind of loose flabby scroll through indiscriminate right. like I, I images go- of of apps which don't they don't even i mean as far as i know like let me just check i just want to check to make sure that I, this is correct okay so it does show it does show the name and the icon of the app like very small at the top which is usually i think the thing that i'm looking at but generally speaking if you're looking at the content of the app i mean most apps look the same they're like lists of things right it's not like it's not that helpful. I well, guess to me, to me, the worrisome part though isn't whether any what you think of the the different ways of switching apps. You know, the the let's say the old iOS eight way. Remember where you double click and you'd go the other way, left to right. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, that's that, the thing that gets me is that they had a solution. The iOS eight app switcher, in theory, would work much better. It would work as the command tab switching interface. To me, the problem isn't whether any one of these interfaces is the right way and what's a shortcoming with it. And, you know, is it a problem? Like you're saying like, Hey, my, my mail client, it just looks white with a bunch of text. It doesn't, I I don't know that it's mail. Should the icon be bigger? That's all little details. To me, the fundamental problem is that clearly there was one team working on it, uh, a switching interface for 3d touch and an entire different team working on a command tab switching Right. And that to me is that's a very typical Apple type problem yeah. where the the company and they and, and they they have so many benefits from it by having these small autonomous teams working on on individual things and they it does help the the, the individual teams not get bogged down in in a massive bureaucracy but on the other hand you end up with not just with the left hand not knowing what the right hand's doing but you know it, it 
a corporation like Apple has, you know, dozens of hands and none of them know what the other ones are doing. Right. But there's clearly they should. There's just no I, doubt think, in my mind. I think all over the all over the interface, I see there are multiple interfaces, but all over like iOS, you know, that back that back thing where it's like you leave an app to go to another view of in another app. And then it's like, go back to this thing. Like, first off, I think it's a good idea. I think it's actually Apple admitting that like a back button makes a lot of sense in a lot of situations, which is neither here nor there. I mean, you can argue all day. I will say this on Android phones. The back button is ridiculously useful. Um, and I find myself I actually find myself wishing for it sometimes when I'm using my iPhone. So the, the concept of it is like pretty right on, right? It's the execution that seems odd to me. You know, it's like they put this almost as an afterthought in your, in your, uh, uh, what do you call the bar? It's like the status bar. status bar, right? They put this like, they cover your, they cover your carrier logo and your, and your signal with a set of text and a little arrow telling you to go back to an application wasn't there another way to do this? Like, wasn't there another systematic way to say, like, you can now go back, right? I mean, actually, Apple introduced a swipe to go back to things, right? Which is, I guess, maybe they're thinking this is in-app. I mean, it hasn't been well implemented in most things, actually. Remember the back swipe that was a big deal in, I think, iOS 8? It still is. It's still there, but it's not. In- but I think it's weird that it conflicts with the press harder and swipe and you switch apps. Well, the whole thing is... The whole thing is like, you know, you're all on the left side of the phone. There's all kinds of stuff going on that's sort of like random. I mean, this is, and this is like actually gets to the core of my complaint, which is it feels, sometimes I feel like I'm off the rails when I'm using my phone. Are you ever in the middle? Like, does this ever happen to you? You're like busy. You need to get some stuff done. You're trying to like get some information and copy and paste it move. It's like you're jumping between apps. Maybe you need to share something. And it just feels like for a moment, this happens to me all the time. I'm like, what? the wait what the fuck am i going to do here like how am i going to get this done and i find myself like thinking about how the phone is going to do it versus doing it yeah well i always feel like i'm i i love my phone and i do use it a lot and there are (laughs) so do i (laughs) well but i but when i have something that involves going moving information between two or three apps inevitably immediately i wish i was on my mac yeah and i know that there's other people who love their ios devices more but i get stuff done on my mac between multiple apps and i don't have to think about the software it just happens and i'm only thinking about the information or the task right i, I think that's what you're saying no no is, it whereas, is it is but i think that if so, but but between with all of like these interactions some hidden some not some like placed in sort of hard to reach places that back arrow is a good example i often feel like and i'm not even good at using chopsticks but i often feel like like I'm on the phone when I'm trying to do something between two apps. It's like I'm trying to pick up coins on my desk using chopsticks. Yeah, this is I, I have uh, I've used a, um, a version of that, which is I feel like um, I don't have I don't have. I feel like I don't have arms or hands and I'm trying to like work it with my shoulders or maybe chopsticks <laughs> chop picking up coins with chopsticks is too harsh. Let's let's, let's make something easy. Let's really? say I, I said a, I had no arms. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say it's more like I have a pair of pliers, a good player of pliers, and I'm just trying to pick up a, a cube, a little dice, you mm-hmm. know, a, a pair of dice. Mm-hmm. You can pick up a, 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 a die with a pair of pliers very easily. Like yeah. that's the sort of thing that would be, but if I could just use my fingers instead, it'd, it'd be, be a lot so faster much and easier. easier. And that's yeah. to me is the Mac. For so I think, and I think that, look, I agree with that. And I feel, I mean, I know that laptops are uncool and people don't, shouldn't use them anymore or whatever. We're all telling each other. Um, but the reality is like, 
I feel much more like a human being when I'm in front of my computer. And now look, maybe that's an age thing. Maybe it's a generational oh, thing. Oh, I think it definitely might be. But I definitely feel, I feel like I'm more of a, the computer is a part of me in a way yes. that the phone never Yes, will. and I think, but I do think that like it, as if, if the generation that follows us has grown up like purely in mobile, I'm sure they're very fast and very good. I'm sure they can type like way faster than we can or whatever. I still don't think that the, the full power of like the, of a computing platform is available to them in, in what they're doing, right. no matter so, what. But we're running short on time. Let we me, are running short on let time. Me, let me double back to six, Apple TV. We have six minutes. I want to tell you about what I think is, to me, the most worrisome thing that Apple did all year, yeah. which is the Apple TV remote, the new Apple TV. It's remote. not good. It's a great idea, and there's great <laughs> things about it. I think that the overall, having the touchpad at the top is great, and I really love the way it inter- love the way the idea of the way that it interacts with the interface, and that you get this sort of. Uh, yeah, but a rewind button would be great, wouldn't it? You know, you can you can go back ten seconds just by clicking on the edge. I know that, but sometimes I just want to like not have to like do a trackpad. And they solved a problem that every single streaming device I've ever used ever, and I know I haven't used them all, but the one thing that they solved, which is, and not all apps use it, but the Apple's own do, and third party apps can definitely use the APIs to do it, is that when you do swipe to scrub, you get this thumbnail that no matter what, always updates like. With other streaming right. devices, you, you'd start fast forwarding or rewinding, and you just get a spinner, and it's it doesn't nice. even tell you. So what wait, time what is. don't you like about the remote? I I I cannot stand the way that, in the name of symmetry, they've made this thing that you can pick up. It it, it just fails at as as a designed object in so many obvious ways. Do you use it upside down all the time. I constantly use it upside down. So I uh, I know a lot of people put like a rubber band around the um, the bottom. <laughs> And so, they I know put, which, so they know which side the bottom is. Right. And I put a piece of gaff tape around it. You ever use gaffer's tape? Yeah, sure. Um, but I should, you know, this is Apple. This is the, the company that should be making. A, a, well, this is this is like the, this is where I think the problem extends further than just the software. You look at the, the, the charge where they put the lightning port on the, on the new mouse. I see. I, I know people hold that on, up. I feel crazy. like that's nonsense. And I that's feel crazy. like it's, <laughs> I feel like it's very obvious that they, they just, they really don't want you to ever use it plugged in. And that's a reasonable choice. And it's no is more. It though, is it though? Because it, it works against everything that we know of mice, like in every, like sort of fundamental way. It's like, okay, while you're charging, you can't use it. So you're done with the mouse until the thing is charged. That's the first thing that's really problematic is like, Oh, you need to use your mouse right now. Sorry, you're charging it. So that's the first is like, in terms of user experience, they fucked up the user experience. I'm, I think that's a very strange thing. The second thing is like, I actually think it's a kind of a cool wink and nod to like the history of mice that like, listen, you don't need to plug this in. It's this thing will charge and last for like a month or whatever. But, yeah, like but when I you're least, charging, you can I, still use it. And it's kind of like an old mouse. I will concede that the argument that the mouse having the the plug-in port on the bottom and so it you know it's, it is literally unusable cannot yeah, like be used. While it's not in. any way you can use it. And B looks a little goofy while it's charging. Very I, I will concede that those I will concede <laughs> those points. And so maybe they should have stuck with the drawing board until they came up with a solution that solved all of the problems. And that would be some I sort can, of. I, I can think of the solution. It would but, have been to put but, it at the top. But for the most part, here's the difference though. The difference is that with the mouse. 99% of the time, it's not charging. And so it doesn't matter. Whereas sure. with the Apple TV remote, 
it's as as designed out of the box if you don't do something which is totally silly for an apple product like put a rubber band around the bottom or put a piece of gaff tape around the bottom so that the whole purpose of that is so that you can tell by i i now know in the dark to pick up the phone by the sides and feel for where I have the tape. Yeah. And then I know I have it oriented right. Because in addition to the fact that the symmetry of it makes it very difficult in the dark or just at, at by just grabbing it off the side of the couch or your coffee table to know which end is which, the whole purpose of the trackpad at the top is so that it's instantly available to you to touch and do something right and so if you make the mistake of guessing wrong which is up it's it's not just that you have to turn the remote around in your hand it's like with the old apple tv remote right with the old apple tv remote maybe because it was a largely symmetrical design you could pick it up wrong but you'd recognize it instantly nothing bad happens right you just spin it around in your right. hand right and so nobody really complained about yes. it be- yeah this what you're describing happens to me all the time so you you, you lose maybe like a, a third of a second yeah right, to spin it around your hand whereas with a new apple tv remote if you pick it up wrong you pause the stream yeah, like or you, maybe you, you started you scrub, you start scrubbing it or something. Yeah, I know this happens constantly. To right, me. and so like you're with your family or whatever, and you just pick up the remote and you're watching TV together, a movie, and you, the dumbass, who all you wanted to do is pick up the remote, you've paused the movie, and then everybody's like, "What are you doing? Why you, right, why'd you do that?" We gotta do rapid fire here because I know you gotta go. Yeah. We have very tight time, and I think people who listen to this are gonna be very upset. Now, the last time you were on, the last time you were on, we did like an hour and 15 or 20 minutes or something. And people were very mad because they wanted us to go longer. Now, you do like a three hour podcast, right? Like you, yeah. On a regular basis, your podcast is like three two or hours, yeah, six, like six two. or seven hours. It's like the Godfather uh, cut. That yeah, but that's a different beast, hours. though. I like having a one hour. I know, and I know my pal Jason Snell. Uh, he's doing a podcast now where they uh, they just set like a half hour timer, and when the half hour's up, that's it. You it's know, the because whole thing. it keeps you sharp. No, you got it. Okay, good. So we're gonna do rapid fire really quickly. So right. uh, Google Alphabet. First off, Alphabet. I don't. It's gonna be very. Difficult I can't get to used, to used to it. Uh, most valuable company it. in the world. Well, now they they went up. They went down. Yeah, but more valuable. More valuable than Apple. How does that make you feel? I don't care. Uh, I think it's, you know, and it certainly fits. It, it clearly seems fits, seems to fit to me the, the broader world's perspective of the two companies, right? That, that, that there's, there's that more optimism about Google or Alphabet, whatever you want to call them, than there yeah. is about Apple. Well, they, they're, they're, uh, they're, that does seem to be the case, but it's not like Google. I mean, Google has wildly diversified, but it's not like they have wildly diverse revenue streams. Right. No. You know? So it's it's one of those things where it's like, yeah. Okay. So you don't. I have find a it curious. I, I do the. I find it curious though because I find the argument that Apple is way too dependent on the iPhone. It's it's true that they are for the amount of money they're making, but at, Google is just as dependent on uh, search. Right. Well, and you know, and I don't know. You know, maybe yeah, everybody search, has their. But everybody has their core business, right? Right. It does seem like Google is exploring. I think for I think for investors who are let's be honest fear based people they're not like making yep. they're not really I mean yes they're analytical but a lot of these investments are like I don't know maybe it's is it going to be bad maybe I should sell my stuff um, I do think that they look like they have an eye to the future right now more than Apple does I feel like Apple partially because they don't show their cards that's exactly it I and, think that but I partially think it, because because they've reached such an enormous place of profitability no, and no, but because I, I think there's a flatness to that profitability. I think you're exactly right though that investors like that Google tells you what they're working on. Right. And they even if just, it's even if it's bullshit. 
Yep, and they dislike that Apple doesn't, and Apple is definitely not going to change. Oh, no. And that's, well, I think they're more open than they've ever been. You never know. Yeah, but not about future products. Yeah, they're not going to suddenly like be rolling around in an Apple, you know, self-driving car anytime soon. Okay, uh, we're a little bit over. I'm going to keep going. Now. Yeah, we'll uh, go five minute overtime. Okay, um, I wrote something about Twitter uh, for the New Yorker. Right. You re- recently wrote a little something, right? You tweeted something. Give me your t- give me give me a couple minutes on your opinion of Twitter right now. And I want to say I want to preface this by saying I wrote something which is like. I kind of wish the headline had just had a question mark on the end of it. It actually did on the front page of the New Yorker, but didn't on the on right. the post itself um, because it was the end of Twitter. Which the is, end of Twitter? It was like why? What the post was actually about was the end of Twitter? Question mark. It was it's like the New what? Yorkers, the New Yorkers version of clickbait. Yeah, it was like it was like it, uh, the point was like what is happening now and what might happen that could spell doom for Twitter? Not like I, not like because I love Twitter and I want it to survive, but I do think. Speaking think, of people with confused products that aren't really executing. I think Twitter is like a microcosm of Apple in a certain way. Whereas Twitter, I think Twitter has reached maximum Twitter and maximum Twitter is, is great. It should be a, it, it should be a very healthy business and it's a very interesting business and it's super useful. They've got something amazing, but it really isn't growing that much anymore. Like just and, about even everybody, if even if it's not growing and, and, you know, Anthony DeRosa wrote like a response to it. And it was about like, let's keep it the way it is. And like, okay, that's fine. But the way it is, is also not good in no. the sense that like conversations are tough. Threading is really tough. Verification is tough. A new user experience is really tough. And I will say like, you know, I wrote in the article about Gamergate. I basically said like, these guys have been responsible for a lot of like really bad harassment that Twitter didn't know how to handle. And I spent the entire weekend being harassed by Gamergate people. Did you really? Yeah. Oh yeah. And they were like, the form of harassment was this. How dare you say we're harassing people? And it was really? like, a, it was a wall of these guys and some girls, I suppose, as well, just like completely. And they were pulling up old tweets of mine from years ago. And like, just, it was fucked up. I mean, it was a truly crazy situation. And look, I can handle it. I've been harassed. But look, I mean, look, I'm a, I'm a relatively big target on, on Twitter, you know, but it was strange to me. It was like a self-fulfilling prophecy where I mentioned these guys. If you mention game, I mean, I, I challenge you, write the word Gamergate on your site. I mean, you will be totally harassed. You will be completely swarmed by these people. Like, say, even say anything innocuous about Gamergate. Like, just the word will send them like on to, on to you. So, the, anyhow, the point is, but but they do have a they do have these like you know Dustin Curtis. Did you read the thing I, I um, tweeted about? Dustin Curtis wrote this piece called "Fixing Twitter." It was he actually wrote it in September uh, of last year. But one of the things he points out, and I think I've experienced this, and I'm sure you have, is like you drop an, a link of like an image or a video or something in Twitter. And it doesn't always expand it. You know, it's like these little things about the product that seem like, why haven't they gotten it right? How could they not get these basic things right? Like show me, show me multimedia. If I drop it into a post, I just feel like that they are torn between what Twitter is, is already good for what it could be better at given it what it is, given its true self combined with the size that they hope that it would be and the number of people they hope would use it. Right. There's this, it just turns out after Twitter has been around long enough that we know. And the answer is it's a lot of people, but it is not anywhere near a Facebook sized audience. And the truth is it's also unfortunately not like an Instagram sized audience, which which I don't have a problem with. Right. But the market might, but the market has a problem with it. And, but more to the point, it's like, you have to tell us, Twitter has to tell us, what its expectation for an audience is. I just think that they keep glomming on these features in the hopes that these features will 
uh, suddenly make it of interest to way more people than it's of interest to now. And they don't. And instead, they just dilute what's there. I can't believe how many people my wife still uses the Twitter web interface. Um, I I find the Twitter web interface. I I look at it and I I just feel like I'm I'm being pranked or something. No, no, it's terrible. And it's it doesn't update. It tells you there's an update, but doesn't update. Oh. It's like, but on the other hand, Twitter has some amazing stuff. There are some stuff that is amazing. Like every time you watch, and it, my main point is I've always been a news junkie. I mean, it's no surprise given what I've done and the career I've built for myself. But I remember like I was super happy in high school when I got my uh, my homeroom teacher for 10th, 11th, 12th grade. He was the social studies teacher. And in the suburbs of Philly, he had a subscription to the Philadelphia Inquirer. So I was actually happy to get to school every day so I could read uh, a the, a really good newspaper. Right. And at the time in the late eighties and early nineties, the Philadelphia Inquirer was actually one of the best newspapers in the world. I just uh, love the idea of you rushing to school early and then like yeah. cracking up in a newspaper. Well, it was hard to get up, but once yeah. I was up, I was like, just give me the paper. And Mr. Sure. Troika was great. And would let me re, you know, read the front page if I wanted, whatever. It was great. I loved the newspaper. I got to college in 1991. And the first thing I did is I found uh, a friend across the hall in the dorm who noticed that I was buying, you know, uh, 35 cent copies of the Inquirer at a newsstand every day and said, Hey, do you want to go halves on a subscription? We can get it for, you know, this ridiculous price. And so I had, you know, got a subscription to a newspaper in college and it was yeah. great. Yeah. Uh, I, I've been a news junkie my whole life and Twitter is the greatest thing to happen to a news junkie ever. It's it great. Really it's great, is. but it's also fraught. I mean, the, well, I but agree the with you. Truth is most people aren't news junkies, right? right most people no. when they went to college in the nineties, didn't get a subscription to the newspaper. And most people in high school right. didn't really get excited that they could. And that's kind of and that's kind of my issue with some of the feedback that I heard where people are like just leave it the way it is and it's like okay I get it like for me or for you it's a really great experience and it is by the way true I totally use it as like my news feed but most people don't that's actually we're the minority of users on Twitter it's, it's just another thing that I wish even more than Apple I guess I just wish that Twitter was a pub, privately held company and they could monetize it for what it is. And well, if it their, doesn't, what's their market cap? Maybe you can get a fund together and go and buy them. I don't know. But it's <laughs> to me though, like, and, and they have this amazing mind share. Like it's, it's, I, I think people underestimate this, but if I don't watch a lot of TV news, but, uh, cause I feel like when you're the more of a news junkie, you are the less satisfying TV news is because it's, yeah. it goes too slow and it yeah. just repeats the same things over and over and over and again. glosses over. Yeah. But when something is on like the, uh, uh, you know, I put the TV on when the Iowa caucuses were announced the other day. Yeah. Um, when there's, you know, something like that, or one of these debates and I watch, do you know, every single person who comes on TV news, they tell you their name and they tell you their Twitter handle, right? Every single person, they right. tell you their name and their Twitter handle. Well, and what it, an amazing thing that and is. During, that, and during those live events, like the Iowa caucus is, is one example. I would say like any awards show is another one where it's oh, like, yeah, exactly. everybody's talking and, like and that's joking. a news junkie thing. Right. Yeah. And it, that's the, 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 what is going on right now, which it, that to me is, but the, we're like 1%, the 1% in that in that use case i feel like of all their users and of what twitter has to do to be whatever business it wants to be it's like those are almost two separate businesses i don't know i just feel like there's something that they could if they focus they they really need to focus on that to me the what is going on right now well i agree i don't disagree with that and in fact like my my sort of one of my through lines is this complaint that like that was the thing that made me feel most like this thing is a utility. I have to have this in my life. This is so important. And it's the thing that feels most 
fucked with by some of the stuff that they've been doing. Like Moments is a great example. And yeah. it, it's like, it, first off, I use Tweetbot for the most part, so I don't see Moments at all. Right. But when I use the app and I look at it, I'm like, this sucks. It's a sucky experience. It has yeah. nothing to do with the core Twitter experience. You know, they're talking about doing like 10,000 word posts. It's like, yeah. I can understand, I can I sort of understand like wanting to have expandable tweets, but there is also some, there is a purity to that character limit that forces uh, a different kind of a different kind of immediate communication. And I, I have think, a hunch that the way they're going to do that will be fine. I, re- I and I know that Jack's hinted at it, but I really think that they're just going to do it as like an attachment type. So in the same way that to me, Twitter didn't get ruined in any way when they started showing you the photos in line. Right. I think that they're just going to show the audit article preview in line. And I, 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 so I think I think one of the best things they ever did was the cards for news sites where it's like you see the card in the yeah. app or in, yeah. the, in the actually you don't you know, it's one of the things I use TweetDeck. So you see them there. <laughs> I say I do like it. I think it's a great idea. And I still haven't implemented it at Daring Fireball. No, oh, you but should I, do. You should do it. Well, I mean, it could be but it could be a, a detriment to your revenue. I don't, uh, I don't think so. Cause I, I mean, think it doesn't that show I've, full articles. It just shows like snippets. Right. But I think that I've successfully set up my, the, the sponsorship stuff in a way that it's wherever my attention is being given, it conveys that the sponsor's messages. So I don't need page, you know, if it affects right. my actual page views care. on the site itself, it's fine. What is your, what do you do? What is your, what do you use? What is it built on? What is Daring Fireball built on? Is it, it's not WordPress, right? No, it's movable type. That's movable with, type. Oh my God. But in the words of Han Solo, you know, I've made a lot of custom modifications myself. <laughs> I don't think those are the exact words, are they? No. <laughs> you paraphrase it. You're paraphrasing. She'll go uh, past upgrades. Five. I think upgrades is, no, I don't know. Uh, interesting. I was actually, I was like, trying to figure it out. I was looking at, I was reading it earlier and I was like, what is this? Like, I'm always looking now, like, what is the platform? Everybody's I wouldn't using? recommend it on it for anybody. Well, does would, movable type even, is that a thing anymore? Nah, Not I wouldn't really. recommend it. But you're, it living, works, you're living in the past, man. But it fits very, very well with my, the way I look at a CMS and what I want from a CMS. And it also happens to fit extremely well with my very limited programming skills and what I'm good at programming. It's very, it's very straightforward, very simplistic, right? Yeah, very that's much. My, that's it's my really, and your really site just, is extremely simplistic. But it really in a good effect, way. In a good way, it effectively just spits out a bunch of. You, I save a post in movable type, and it spits out a text file on my server in whatever format I want. And then I have little PHP scripts that I've written that I can assemble those little pieces into a page. Well, that sounds like a goddamn dream. Um, all right, I think we should wrap now because we've gone over yeah. like ten minutes. I well, swore you, when let, we me, let me let me let me ask you this Uh-oh. just before we go. I want to yeah. wrap up. Yeah. But um, do you think a year from now, let's say I'm on the show February, uh, me and you were talking in February 2017. Okay. Do you think Twitter is in better shape or worse shape, or are we having the exact same conversation? I feel like something's got to happen this year, and I don't feel like it. It. I feel like it has to either get better or get worse. Let me say this: I think for us to lose Twitter would be a great loss. I think it would it be would heartbreaking. Be, and it'd be heartbreaking. But, I, but where what I see, what I actually see, the bigger threat to Twitter is not. I mean, frankly, what I see is as the bigger threat to Twitter is not that we. I mean, what I find is that you know people talk about like what would replace it, right? People say like, well, what would replace Twitter? But when you look at technology, it's not about what would replace it; it's about what would follow it. And I think that's the question to ask and to think about right now is what would follow Twitter, right? What could, what could somebody, what could a Facebook or an Instagram or a WhatsApp or a peach, which I use as sort of a joke, but not really, or anything that is a Snapchat, what might they learn or use that Twitter created that could be 
the next thing that we use that is the next Twitter, right? So when, when I look at like, when I look at what Twitter does and when I look at what the service provides, I love it and I think it's utility and I want to keep holding on to it and I want it to get better. And I believe it can get better. I think if it doesn't get better in a very clear, directed way, what I worry about is, or what I think about is like, there's going to be something, there's going to be some point where Facebook decides we want this live audience. They're already doing it with Stadium. Have you used Stadium? The, uh, new, the new Facebook no. sports thing? No. It's basically like live. It's basically like live sports. I mean, it's almost like a Twitter experience. Yeah. It sounds interesting. Yeah. So like basically the question becomes like, what is the thing that follows it? If Facebook decides we want to own this space or if Instagram decides we can be in this space because we already have this big installed user base and we already have people like using Facebook to, or sorry, using Instagram to share news um, or or have conversations. So like I, I actually look at, are we having the same conversation in a year? I think Twitter's around in a year. I think I would hope there has to be some improvement to the product itself, right? It has to like have a, it has to have something happen, I think, meaningful in terms of like product design and execution and user experience. Um, but I think that in, in, in a year from now, what I would be looking at and what I'm thinking about all the time is like, what will be the thing that doesn't replace Twitter, but comes after it, that follows right. it and does, takes what Twitter thought of which was this real-time conversation and this ability to follow and track news and track sources and hear from your friends as well as like, you know, major institutions put in putting that in that kind of live context, like what, you know, what might the next thing be that takes that and then makes it more modern, more fun, more smart. Like, I think those are real questions to ask because I actually see lots of avenues where they could grow, but they're not growing. The thing I keep thinking about is I, in hindsight, and I would have disagreed with it at the time I, because I also disagreed with when they bought Instagram. Not disagreed, but I had I was very pessimistic about the future. I loved Instagram right from the start, and then Facebook bought them, and I thought, oh, this is they're going to wreck it. And yeah. instead, the opposite's happened. They've let them stay true to themselves, and <laughs> they've true. hardly touched it. And in hindsight, what I think might have been the best thing for Twitter would have been for Facebook to buy it if Facebook would have been willing to do the same thing. Well, which I mean, was sort I, of, I don't know if we can even rule that out. I mean, maybe they yeah. will buy it. You know. I I know. I think. I, know. I think. I, I, I look. At, I will say this. I look at. Um, and you know. and and uh, turn that laser like a you know Zuckerberg mind on. Figure out what is the core thing you're good at, and that to me is like man. It, and it's such an interesting comparison between Twitter and Instagram because right. they're they're so kind of fundamentally the same idea. Look, here's people you follow. You can be public or private, and you get a stream of all, everything they post in order. And here it is. And Instagram over the years has stayed so true to yeah, it's a very original. pure it's a very pure product. Right. And, Somebody and, who used Instagram 1.0 and got into it, and then you showed them today's Instagram, they'd get it right away. Yeah, and then been, if you showed a, somebody from 2007 Twitter today they'd be like what the what the hell is going it's on it's been a very methodic climb for them i mean i think it's very clear like their direction though have you used peach yeah so here's the thing i've used peach and I, at, listen i know people laugh it off but i <laughs> used peach and i was like what's the fucking point of this? this doesn't make any sense to me but the more i've used peach the more i see something really interesting i see Peach is, okay, and I'm not saying that Peach is going to be anything. It may be dead in six months. But there is something that's like high and low about Peach that's like shallow and also deep about the way you can, there's all of these things you can do. It's like a very kind of open and, and complex form of like uh, microblogging in that everything is like, 
you don't just have to do one thing, right? It isn't just like I typed 140 characters or it's an image. It's like you can draw or you can say what the sound volume is where you're sitting or you can put a rating in or the weather outside. Like there's all these weird little things you can do. And I actually look at that and I think it has a lot in common with Snapchat, though it's more, it's like more than Snapchat. But I look at that and I think, this is interesting because what one of the things about Twitter is like it's great to share these like little bursts of information, but like what you can share and how you can share and like the the depth of that sharing and that conversation is really somewhat limited, right? That's a plus and a minus. But I do think like where might they go that allows you to be more expressive on that platform that keeps the conversational live feel of it? I think that's an interesting thing to think about. And like, so look, I don't know, in a year to answer your question, it's a long-winded way of saying, I don't know the answer to that. I don't think Twitter is going away anytime soon. I do think it's possible that they are part of a larger organization in a year from now. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about Google buying them. Yep. You know, here's the thing. I, I don't know if that would be good or bad. I honestly, well, I think that the the record shows. Let's just not even think about what Google would do with them. But I think the record shows that when Google buys things, it's not as it's often not that great. They don't seem to do. They don't typically turn a product. Actually, I would just go so far product. as to say, I would go so far as to say that when you buy a product, as opposed to buying a technology, like like Apple buys technologies, right? right? They don't buy products for the most part. Right. Um, so Apple's out of it. Uh, when you buy a product, usually it it's not good. It just whoever buys it. When a big big company you, buys a product, you know, it's not good. Except for Facebook, Facebook which weirdly Facebook, buys things and doesn't it, fuck with them very right. Much. And that's it, to me is is the most one of the most interesting and admirable things about Facebook. I mean, but you've got to imagine that Facebook is at the very least saying. There's got to be that. I mean, in some ways, I feel like maybe what Facebook does with the companies that it buys is it's like lose the the. Like those are the conversations they have yeah. with those companies where yeah. it's not like we want you to completely reshape your business and become part of the Borg, but we'll help you with some like critical thinking in some key areas. Yeah. I and, think that I think that the, the, that Facebook is one of the most extraordinarily well-managed companies. And I know, you know, I know we're way over time. Way but, over. So you're uh, all your fault. Uh I, 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 in the, you know, we talked about earnings and Facebook had blockbuster earnings last week and yeah. the stock went up and, yeah. and the over and over and over again, people said, this is a very well-managed company. And I think that the, here's a case where the consensus view is exactly right. I think that Facebook, A, totally understands the core product, Facebook itself. B, made the shift from being a thing that you type in a web browser to being a thing that is on your phone. Yeah. Uh, it's the, it just couldn't have gone better. Yeah. Could not have gone better. It was and it was essential to them. They had to recognize that this entire thing that we built and the main way we thought that our product was is not built for the future. Right. And they I, did that. And see, I feel like what the, the, what they have is a confidence at the executive leadership point that we can buy this thing and we don't need to put our fingerprints on it at all. Right. Right. right? Like Instagram is still Kevin Systrom's thing. Right. And that's fine. And, and by the way, they're monetizing really well. I mean, like if you look at what they're doing in advertising, I actually am impressed. I have to say, like, I don't find Instagram's ads intrusive at all. Like, do I notice them? Do I am I like, well, I wish there wasn't an ad here sometimes. But for the can most I part, tell you a weird thing? I don't see them. I use Instagram every day. And I well, that's because they look like Instagram posts. No, I don't think I, I don't. I've, I've spoken to other people and I've said this on my podcast, like not everybody gets them. It's oh. whatever crazy Facebook fueled algorithm. Of when they just... That's really interesting. I, I I was not aware of that. Well, I'll tell you this: they're totally like 
they're totally great. They're totally yeah. fine. They're I've exactly seen, what you would expect. I, I've seen screenshots of them. I want to see them <laughs> yeah. because I'm interested in the business. If actually, I, can, I mean, they're actually like... If I could go into settings and check a box that says, show me Instagram ads, I would check it because I want to see them. Well, it's funny that it's funny how comfortable we've gotten with this idea that like something can be injected into your, I mean, Instagram is like, it doesn't bother me when I see like an ad injected into my feed for some reason, it just doesn't feel like I actually get more annoyed when I see it on Facebook um, than I do on Instagram. And I'm not sure why I think part of it is because it's visual, like it's purely visual. Like the reality is like, if you're going to advertise on Instagram, you're still using an image and it's really not that bad to look at an image and most advertising images are pretty nice looking. So it's one of these things where I do think it's a lot like magazine advertising in a way where you're just like, Oh yeah, that's a nice looking thing here. And Oh, maybe I'm interested. Maybe I'm not. I'm going to keep moving anyhow. Okay. Now we're we're way over time. We should wrap up. Uh, Look, this is really, there's so much more I want to talk about. We have to do this more often because the last one we did was like last year sometime. Uh, John, thank you for joining me. Josh, it's always fun. Uh, I really enjoyed this. I love this conversation. There's, I want to talk to you more about these things. Um, you'll have to come back. And uh, until then, oh, I had a question for you. All right. You drive a car, right? I do. Would you ever consider getting a Tesla? Oh, absolutely. Without yeah. question. Yeah. Would you get a Model 3 if there was like a 35,000? No, I mean, not. look, obviously you could afford the Model X if you wanted, John. Uh, but. I don't know. <laughs> um, long story short uh well a they are pretty expensive now Very B, expensive. but we don't drive long distances so the range issue isn't wouldn't be that much of an issue and we're on the east coast so we're going to get filled in with the charging stations you know as opposed to if we lived you know i don't know in kansas or something like that right um uh, definitely a possibility i've my gut feeling as a non-car guy but who does care about his car is that uh, i feel like my next car is probably still going to run on gas and then my, that'll be the last gas powered thing I ever own. Yeah. I think we've got one more gen one, at least for probably people like us who are early adopters of things. I think I'm in one more generation of one more like three or three year lease of a gas. I'm fascinated by them. I am. I I would definitely consider it. If I were, if I were in the market for a car right now, I would think about it. Okay, good. That's, that's all I needed to know from you. John, thank you again for doing this, and, uh, and I will talk to you again soon. Great. Well, that is our show for this week. We'll be back next week with more tomorrow, of course. And as always, I wish you and your family the very best, although I understand that they're driving down a lonely road, and the battery is almost empty, and there's not a charger in sight. <laughs>